This is the business of sports. Let's talk Super Bowl and Fox Sports. Every single thing that occurs, I want people to remember this is a business. Guaranteed money isn't necessarily guaranteed. Michael Barr. How high can these valuations go? Scott Soshnank. Duke. Everybody loves rooting against them, right? Evan Novi Williams. Off the field, the NBA has never been buzzier. And the leaders in the sports industry. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred. Mike Oresco, he's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Jared Smith, president of Ticketmaster. Mindy race car driver, Elio Castroneves. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Michael Barr, and this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. And let's begin with a battle over the... The Phillies mascot, this has to do everything about copyrights and all that, and it's a little complicated. Should we tell everybody that we were discussing this and uh, what Evan Novi Williams said? Oh, I, I've done some reading on it, so, so, we're, we're, so we're all we're all set because you know I myself would have had to have done some reading on this. I, I might be a little unprepared on this. However, Evan Novi Williams underscore. Uh, has done some reading on We're this. Home so. free. As, as yeah, a, we are home uh, free. You know what? I'm putting my feet up. I'm putting, literally putting my feet up right now and say, Evan, what do we need to know? As opposed to the topics we talk about that we, that we do no reading on and know nothing about. Uh, yeah, so the lawsuit over the Philly Fanatic, which is not for, for people who feel like they're in deja vu, this is not a, a new thing. But there, there's been a long a long-standing lawsuit and a few different legal battles over the, over the Fanatic. Um, and and the, the central theme of those lawsuits, a lot of them, Essentially, were whether the the people that designed the costume own the rights to the Philly fanatic, or if the person inside the costume who made it move and dance and and, and gave it humor were the were, were the were the creator of the. Philly Is it fanatic. the costume or the character? Exactly, that was the long question. Now, uh, back in the eighties, the the creators signed a deal, closed. Uh, they had a negotiation. You know, they, they made a settlement that gave the the team forever rights to the Philly Fanatic. However, in copyright law, apparently, there is a little used... Is this something uh, you've read up on? Yes. <laughs> there, is a, there is a little used uh, uh, provision, clause, I guess, provision, clause, yes. that lets creators take back... Reclaimed create, ownership. Reclaim ownership of, that, of their creations wow. after 35 years, regardless of whether there are previous agreements that say in perpetuity, etc. So that is essentially where the Philly Fanatic is right now, where the couple, I believe it's a couple that... Well, we should say the costume, they sold this. They sold the costume to the Phillies in 1978 for 3,900 bucks. That's yes. a good deal if you're the Phillies. And then in the 80s, I think created an even a more ironclad deal that gave the Phillies the right forever to for 215,000. That still seems like a great deal. There you go. And now claiming that there is a provision that lets them, after 35 years, reclaim right to the fanatic. Now, I don't know um, why in my in my phone here I have something under Philly fanatic. Is it still Dave? I could him live on the air. I could. His name is Dave Raymond, or was. I don't know if he's still the Philly fanatic. I and mean, this goes back a ways, but um, at one, a one-time Philly fanatic, it, Dave Raymond. It does sound like also <laughs> this year the Phillies are changing a little bit about the fanatic. He may have new shoes. He may have new socks. He may look a little bit different. Really? Unclear, is that is that an attempt to get- un- unclear if it is directly related to the the legal problems? It, apparently, the the fanatic has made slight changes before in the past. Um, but I think we're going to see a little bit of a different fanatic for for Phillies fans out there who who might notice it. Uh, and it's again, it's, it's unclear to me at least right now whether that is an attempt to maybe further distance itself from the original design or if this is just a coincidence. I once went on the website of the USPTO.gov and trademarked a term. Hmm. 
Mm. I don't feel the need to tell everybody what it was, but they can search. I guess you can find it easy enough. Yeah, it's a PG show anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I did. And as I was doing it and spending the couple hundred, few hundred bucks, whatever it was, I kept thinking like, all right, I think I did this right. But surely some trademark and copyright attorney would like find a loophole and be like, "Yeah, you didn't hit this button, you didn't click the right thing, so we can use it." And you know, you're just yeah, out of luck. Yeah, there's some Latin phrase you didn't include. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. That gives anybody free range. E pluribus ebonum, right? Yeah. Um, but LeBron James is also, you know, well, that's why we're yeah. talking about it because it isn't just the fanatic; it's also LeBron James. Yeah. More than an athlete, More than an athlete. is a phrase that LeBron James uh, first used a couple years ago. Is now showing up on in uninterrupted apparel. He's wearing it. You know, it's showing up in video games. Uh, there is a nonprofit in Maryland that claims to have trademarked Game Plan Inc., Game Plan, a youth development advocacy organization, claims to have trademarked more than an athlete for use for commercial use. So well, their 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 copyright was I am more than an athlete. Okay. So, but yes, yes, but still clear. Close they're not enough. saying they came up with the phrase. They're just saying that right. they own it for for commercial use. Well, they tried to block LeBron from registering more than an athlete. Mm. That obviously did not work. Yeah. So mm. you know, we'll see where that pans out too. I mean, but I feel like we talk about copyright maybe once a month on the show. I feel like there's always you know Nike and Skechers had a very prolonged battle. Skechers and Adidas, I believe, also had a very prolonged battle. You you see these things pop. Remember ter- Tom Terrific. Right, which you know, Tom Brady tried to tried to trademark, and, and, and Tom Seaver yeah. and the Mets fans went crazy. But I've got a problem crazy. with that because it's like, <laughs> I, as an old school, there was the old cartoon Tom Terrific. So how can anybody copyright? Well, LeBron has had this a lot when he tried to uh, do the barbershop show too, when he tried to stop yeah. others. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Like, I, I've seen lots of shows shot in barbershops, and this is not new genre. Yeah, and we should say by the way, Nike's also selling T-shirts with. You know, the I'm more than, more than an yeah. athlete on it as well. So wide-ranging implications. Let's move very quickly to the Tokyo Why Olympics. Why are you going very quickly? Well, that's true. We don't have to. Oh, you don't have to go quickly. Yeah, we don't have Tim to Harrow's got all day behind the glass. Yeah, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Tokyo Olympics, the organizers and the Japanese government have gone on the offensive following a senior IOC member saying the 2020 games are being threatened by the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, Evan, a lot of... Headlines came out of Dick Pound's comments mm-hmm. like, got to be uh, cancel the Olympics in three months, if not. <laughs> I mean, that was the takeaway. What's your interpretation of what he said and yeah. where do we stand? So I spoke with, with Dick Pound this week as well. For folks who don't know, Dick Pound is the longest serving member of the IOC. He's been an IOC member uh, since the late 70s. So he's seen a lot of Olympic movements. He, he's been around for a lot. Um, and what he told me and he, and he told other people as well is that, you know, coronavirus Certainly a concern. You know, we're five months out right now. Um, Everybody is talking about it. The IOC is obviously worried about it. Um, It's not an immediate, immediate concern. They have time. Um, He essentially said two months out is is around the time when you start to make decisions that can't be unwound. So ideally, sponsors, athletes, organizing committees, uh, hosts, caters, hotels, they all need to know around late May – is this thing happening? But people or is have it not? to book their reservations, their flights. Yeah, I think. That. And in talking to Dick, it st- certainly seems that we, every Olympic cycle there's something that comes up, right? If in Russia it was geopolitical concerns, in South Korea also ge- geopolitical concerns. It was Zika four years ago in in Brazil. This coronavirus seems like the biggest threat, threat. Okay. in modern day yes. Olympics. So that, can that I we've jump had. to doomsday scenario? Yes. This grows. It's a public health emergency in Tokyo. 
and they have no choice but to cancel the games. What yep. does that look like from a dollars and cents standpoint? And so, so it's massive. The big question there, which we don't have all that much insight in, is insurance. How much insurance does the IOC have? Because they have a lot. How much insurance do partners like NBC have? Uh, because they also have a lot. How much insurance do sponsors have? But outside of insurance, the IOC has been preparing for this possibility for a while now. Back in 2001, a lot of the, the smaller sports, so not soccer, not basketball, but you know sports like judo, volleyball, went to the IOC and said, listen, we rely so heavily on the money that you distribute every four years, which is essentially money that they get from sponsorships and TV. What happens if a game gets canceled? We might not be able to survive the four years until the next Olympics. So the IOC put together a reserve fund, started funneling money into it, essentially for you know, the unfortunate scenario the in which a games, yeah. a games got canceled. That fund is now over, is right around a billion dollars, a little under a billion. Um, and if worst case scenario happens and, and the Tokyo 2020 Olympics don't happen, that is a, a pool of money that will be distributed to sports to help keep the international athletic movement alive over the next four years. And that's tremendously valuable, right? That, that could be, that could be the difference for a lot of sports between being able to keep holding and hosting athletes for world championships, et cetera, uh, and not being able to continue. Let me, can they move it just to a year later? So that, that, that's a good question. So they can't move it. Hold city, on. Date they can't time, move Michael cities. Barr, good question. Um, <laughs> Hold on. It's too much of a, there's too much going on to move it to say London or to Berlin or whatever. Um, could they maybe delay it a year Possibly, but the amount of stuff that needs Think to change. Think of the logistics that yeah, just the, the training for the athletes are. In the finding blocking off the hotels is probably going to be impossible Nightmare. in that in that capacity. Then you're running up against already scheduled world championships in off years and things like that. Uh, also, athletes, you know, they train very specifically to peak at this exact moment. You know, having to reset that schedule is also tremendously difficult. You know how you don't um, eat your breakfast at a specific time because you want to be peak at you know when you get home for lunch. Yeah, that's what athletes do like in real training. I, you know, I get it. I, okay. Thank you. So, so yes, no, it's it's a good question. The the one that I have wondered about is if 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 maybe we reach a scenario where it's unsafe to send people spectators to the games, but if they feel like they can maybe host the athletes in a way so that maybe there's not people watching in the stands, but it's it's still a media property, it's still a television property. I still think they don't think, the world. like you don't want to have the athletes village. That's the you tough want thing. Everybody, there's, there's 17, you know, the USOC athletes. will want to do its own thing. Yes, and again, the, I've, I've talked to folks at the USOC about yeah. that as well. You know that that looks great if the USOC can find a place to put its 700 athletes and it's over a thousand coaches and trainers, but you know, not every country can do that. Not every exactly, and, and there's not even space in Tokyo to let all the you know 200 countries do their own kind of separate thing. Uh, so, you know, I I really sincerely think we're looking at a an event that happens as scheduled or an event that probably gets canceled. Uh, let's talk about the NFL's proposed CBA to go to an approval vote of all players. That's according to what the union is saying. Yeah, after one in the morning, and I sent them a note today going, what's going on here? Late like 1.40 a.m. <laughs> New York time, they're putting out statements that the player reps voted to allow uh, the CBA proposal to be put forth to the entire membership. That was the harder hurdle, it seems. It seems as if getting past that player rep panel was harder than what they're about to do. The first panel recommended not to No, vote, yeah, the right? first yeah. panel was a no. Yeah. Uh, looks like Richard Sherman abstained. Former um, guest of the pod. Yeah, former guest of the pod. So now the proposal 17-game season is the big highlight. That goes to every single active NFL player. All they need is a simple majority. You would think 
the financial concessions made by the league, higher percentage of revenue, higher minimum salary, um, that the rank and file will probably vote to accept and play. The biggest criticism I see out there from those who watch this is the term of the deal. A 10-year labor contract in a, uh, in, a, in a sport where the average length is about three years of a career, in a world where things change so rapidly, especially in technology and media and the ability to monetize those things, uh, that's an eternity. So let's see what the players do. Yeah, and you can understand why the owners want that. 10-year contract, right? When you're sitting across the table at, you know, with with Fox, with CBS, with NBC, with Amazon, whoever it is negotiating these new TV they're deals. They're watching Viacom CBS take a, a real hit without in, question. In, yeah. in value. It's been a bad it's been a bad week for the markets obviously for coronavirus which we just discussed. Um one thing that I I wanted to ask folks who know how all these deals work across leagues the NBA, NFL right now gets, I believe, the lowest percentage of of yeah. revenue, total shared revenue. Yeah. Uh, the the NBA is around 49%. NHL is at 50 Baseball kind of fluctuates up and down, but 48 seems to be kind of the way bottom. Yeah. NFL under this deal would start at 48 maybe get to 48 and a half. With possibilities more, yeah. Given that the league, may, the NFL league-wide makes way more revenue than all the other leagues, why is the player share in the NFL so much lower than it is in other leagues? Well, they also have way more players. Yeah. It's, that's just a, a byproduct of you have how many 65, 75 players per team sure. versus NBA. But uh, the pool that goes to yeah. players, whether it's two, 10 on a roster you think, or 100 why don't they get 52% or whatever. Yeah, I'm just, I, yeah. I think it's interesting that the league that makes by far the most money also shares the least percentage-wise with its players. You have been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scott Soshnick and Evan Nobiglund. We are here every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. Join us again at the end of the week. We continue to speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business world. You are listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio, around the world and online, wherever you get your podcasts.